Welcome to the Point of Convergence podcast. I am your host, Grant Lira. Get ready to sit down, tune in, and implement. Remember, the knowledge you learn here and anywhere else in your life is only worth something to you if you use it. So get implementing after this episode and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of Point of Convergence. Today, we are joined by my good friend, John Griffin, the Griff Daddy. Now, John has a lot of stuff that we're going to cover today, uh, all the way from Symmetry Financial Group to his own agency. We're going to cover all of this on the podcast, dive in to some sales knowledge bombs. But without further ado, John, what's going on today? Oh, man, I'm glad to be on this call, brother. Glad to share some knowledge with you and, and, your, and your fans. And, uh, and anything I can do to pour some wisdom in this new peeps, some green peas, or uh, maybe somebody who's not too cool for school has been doing what I've been doing for a long time. I'm glad to do it, brother. Dude, that's why we're here, right? We're here to absorb. We're here to implement. So, like, guys, looking at, like, guests we've had on before, uh, John is one of those dudes who you listen to. Like, you you listen to what he says. He's got some absolute knowledge, and we're gonna you're going to realize that throughout the podcast, but I'll stop. I'll stop hyping him up here. I'll let, uh, I'll let him talk for himself. Like John, I want to know, people want to know, like, how did you get started in this? Like, where was your start in entrepreneurship? Where is your start in sales? Where'd that all begin? Yeah. So, so I, I grew up in California in, in Hollywood. My father was an actor in Hollywood and he was a sort of working character actor and he had a really good work ethic. And uh, I think I took my first job probably at 12 and by the time I was 15, I was actually running this guy named Lenny, Lenny Hamburg, his juice guy in, uh, in Hollywood, had a stationary business. I was running his stationary business by myself at 15 in the summer. And uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed helping people. I enjoyed the customer service part of sales. And uh, in college, I got into selling pools, swimming pools. And I just realized I love the interaction with people. And it was an in-home sales job, straight commission. And I just crushed it. Uh, I'm 50, so I've been doing in-home sales for 31 years. I've, I've literally been in 14,000 homes, and I've sat down with 14,000 people uh, amongst no-shows in one legs and done presentations. So there's nothing I haven't seen. Um, and I've just, you know, I, you know, my dad used to say, it's nice to know what to do, and it's nice to know what not to do. And uh, I know what to do. Because uh, I've been doing it a long time, and I I know what not to do. Because knowing what not to do is like you you do something, you do it wrong, you oh man, I ain't gonna do that again. I've done that a lot, and I've had a lot of mentors and sales trainers over the years that have poured into me. So I learned something. I've actually trained about three thousand salespeople in my career. So um, I enjoy it. I enjoy the art of selling. Um, enjoy the art of closing. Uh, it excites me when you sit down with a client that says, "Hey man, we're not doing anything," and I'm like. Okay. And then you take them through a presentation and uh, a trained methodology from A to Z. And at the end, it's a, you know, a close. So, you know, 31 years selling, started selling swim pools. And then I realized pools was seasonal. You could only make a certain amount of money in a season. And then I, I have made some great money. Uh, my last hurrah with pools was for the pool company in 1997. I won't mention their name. Uh, there were 7,000 salespeople there. And I was the number one salesperson in the company. I made $305,000 in six months. It was, their season was March 1st to August 30th. So I made 305. I was a young guy, you know, a long time, long time ago, 97. And, uh, and then I quit. And I realized real fast that uh, money will not keep you 
in a job. You have to like and love what you do. And I'll never forget the owner of that company sat me down and he said, man, he says, the number two guy in this company made $180,000. You made over $120,000 more than him. And you're quitting? How, does, how do you quit a $305,000 job? I said, this job sucks. I literally ran seven days a week, four appointments a day, and I never slept in my bed on an 11-state territory, and they would drive you all. I probably put 50,000 miles on, on the car I was driving that year, driving around. And some nights I slept in my car because sometimes you're in Pobunk, Louisiana, and you pull up in the, the nicest motel is $19, and you know those cockroaches are bigger than you. And you're like, oh, it's better off just sleeping in my car, save the per diem money that they gave. I think they give us like 75 bucks a day, but I quit. And I learned, man, you gotta love what you do. You gotta like what you do. And the money won't keep you there. And I know because I've, I've had lots of careers where I've had people walk in my office and just say, man, I can't do this. Getting home at midnight. My wife's this and that. So you gotta like, love what you do. So I got out of the pool business. And in 98, I found that you could uh, get in the home improvement business, which was year round, selling siding, windows, gutters, roofs, insulation. In, uh, in my career that I stint there, I, I had a couple hundred million dollar companies that I worked my way up through in, uh, to a GM, to a VP of the company and had large sales forces underneath me that I hired, trained, and recruited, hired, trained, and recruited. And I enjoyed that. But that business, sometimes you're not in control of your income, meaning that you, you, someone can mess you flat up. Like, like you, you know, you could sell a job and expect a $3,000 commission and someone goes out and installs the job incorrectly and the client don't want to pay well you know the old saying poop rolls downhill it rolls downhill and start their sales commission's gone you know the job gets reduced you know they're always they're trying to go negotiate the thirty thousand dollar job to get some kind of money and the sales guy usually gets the short end of the stick so i said well that ain't for me uh, then since then, I, I started my own real estate, real estate company. I started a poster magazine. I had that. I got had always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So got back into doing my own thing. Did that till the market crashed. And then when the market crashed, I was like, man, this, you know, there's got to be something. There's got to be a, a better mousetrap. Uh, so I got back in the home improvement business and I started another home improvement company. And we had, we did a niche. niche, niche kind of, niches are kind of nice. If you have a niche, and you market to one type of thing. So we had what was called an energy company. We did things like spray foam, uh, thermal insulation, um, uh, tankless water heaters, solar panels, recirculating pumps, anything that would save the client energy. And I was able to partner with a relationship with the Weather Channel. And I became the national energy expert for the Weather Channel. And they'd run these commercials on TV and my partnership with them, they allowed me to use the commercials to market ourselves. So we went into an Ace Hardware and put a little kiosk in there and somebody went in, they see a little thing. Hey, if you're interested in that, you fill this out. And little lead costs went back to the Ace Hardware and we generated our, our leads to that. Um, and that was a good gig for a while. And, and then tell my business partner to do something shady. And I just learned, man, it matters who you're partnered with. If you're partnered with a jack leg or an idiot, eventually something's going to go wrong. So we separated it and I took a little time off. And then a buddy of mine said, man, why don't you get in the insurance business? And I was like, man, there's, there's a lot of other things I think I would like to do. I said, I just, you know, I knew some people in the insurance business and 
they're always hustling and always, you know, man, if they invite them over to the house, everybody had their business card and, you know, and one of them had your, my buddy's mom's phone number because, hey, we're going to sell some insurance. I said, I don't need that guy. It's just, doesn't seem like something I would want to spend my life doing. He said, well, I know this guy makes some pretty good money. I said, well, I've made pretty good money most of my career. What's pretty good money? And he says, well, he says he makes like six figures a month. I'm like, what? So, of course, you know, I'm not too cool for school. You know, I, I, I've learned a lot of things in my career and I've learned a lot of things from other people. So I said, give me that dude's number. So I called this guy who, who now is my business partner for the last four years, partnered with him. And uh, I learned years ago, man, if somebody has the lifestyle and the money and the time that you want to have, it's okay to follow that person. And um, now I am where he was and uh, he's way further along than I am, you know, making a great living and uh, building a team. And uh, if someone would ask me four years ago, man, you think you'll retire from the insurance business? I would have said, hell no. Today, this is it. I've planted my flag here and I will retire um, from this company for sure, Symmetry Financial Group. I got a couple other things that I do because still have that entrepreneurial spirit and uh, I'm all about that, uh, but I enjoy what I do. I spend most of my time now helping somebody else get where I am. You know, in the beginning, you start helping clients, which is, I'm, I'm really good at that. And now I help agents build their own business. So it's kind of the same thing. You're still helping, you're still helping somebody. You're still helping a client. Uh, but I'm, I'm helping other people build wealth and I'm making a living helping other people build wealth. Kind of old Zig Ziglar, you say, if you're helping other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. I've figured it out. It ain't about me. It ain't about how much money can I make. I help some other people make a great living and I can get a piece of that great living. That's a great living. And so now you've been more like transitioning into the mentorship role of like helping people out that you bring on with symmetry and like helping them get that. You know, it's like when you went up to that guy and you followed that guy to get that lifestyle, you know, you're kind of taking them along that path to get the lifestyle you have now. And, you know, obviously keeping that rolling. So when you, when you mentor, you know, people, I guess how, how much sales is really involved in that? Like, obviously you got to sell them on the idea, but then along the way, like, I mean, tell us a little bit about like your mentorship process and how everything works. Yeah. Like that. So, so it, it does matter who you're partnering with. Everybody that's watching this right now has worked somewhere at one time and your boss was an idiot. And you add, and you ask yourself one time when you went home, you're like, how did this guy or this guy, how did they get this job how are they making more money than me and i do half their work how did that happen that happens in just about every every job even at this company there are people in leadership that that i wouldn't follow to the toilet um but but that happens sometimes you know they're just like man how did that happen? it happens so it matters who your partner is it matters who you're partner with and who you're yoked with um I know because I've had I've had some partners that were like, man, I want to punch myself in the face. Just why am I doing this? And then you part ways. So, um, you know, they also fail forward. You know, fail forward is part of life. You know, you got to pick yourself up and dust it off. But there's only so many times you're like, you know, hey, man, I'm not doing this again. I've learned my lesson. There's a you know, the, there's all man's that all oh, man, you know, like a fender bender on man. There's an all man where like you're like totally wiped out and you're filing a bankruptcy for a couple million dollars. So there's all mans that can come in your lifetimes and it matters who your partner is. So here, right out of the gate, 
I learned that you can make 30, 40, $50,000 a month on your own pen. Meaning you don't have to have a team. You can just come in here. If you have the wherewithal and intestinal fortitude, that little thing down your stomach says, man, I want to, I want to win. And you follow a system. This company has a proven system. Every, every great sales company has a methodology. And all I've done is bring my 30 years of sales experience to this methodology and didn't try to reinvent the wheel because that's foolish. It took something that already worked. They, again, this is a niche insurance company and I've meshed my sales training with it. And, um, and I crushed it. Um, here's a great example. Hired a guy a weeks ago. Now, people, everybody got to get a license, right? Everybody got a license. And some people take three months to get a license. You can pretty much tell right out of the gate when someone's going through the pre-license course what they're gonna do after they have a license if it takes someone three months to start just you don't spend any time with that person because they're not gonna go nowhere hired a guy about three weeks ago in three days he's done with this course knocks it out then he does all the training which is all online training you know he's in north carolina i'm in atlanta and his first week first week's 23 Never sold insurance before. All he knows is what I taught him. He goes out and makes $4,100. Just crushed it. He's never made $4,100 yeah. $4, in a week in his lifetime. But here's the difference. I got guys will come in here or gals will come in here and they'll learn it and they'll do it. And they'll do it just like that. And then, uh, man, it's the system, this system's not, you know, someone who, who's been selling for 30 years. And, well, you know, we did it like this over at ABC. And we did it like, yeah, this system's not, man, these things lead suck. This company sucks. My manager sucks. No, you suck. Um, and time, you know, you're going to suck here. You're going to suck wherever you go when you leave here. But you know, nice knowing you. Don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you. I don't spend time with that person. So you you help those that you can help. And the ones that want to follow the system and you, man, you help them. This guy in his first week, he had already teed up four people. I hired him, recruited him. They're in pre-license course. One of them just took his test today. He's only been here like a week and a half. This middle of the week. He's been here literally 10 days. He's got four agents. So I'm helping him build his team and he understands it and he gets it. Some people, you know, some people want to play ball and some people want to, you know, sit on the bench and cheer. You know, some people make a lot of money and some people know people that make a lot of money. You know, you can, you know, this, this company that I'm in here is a vehicle to make a lot of money. And when someone, when I put somebody in the driver's seat, I will teach them how to drive it. I will show them how to drive it. Uh, there are times that I get in the driver's seat with them and on a Zoom call like this, you know, I, I got an agent, I got agents all over the country, but I get on a Zoom call like this with our clients because we see everybody on a Zoom call now, which is kind of nice, you know, COVID, we got, we're in one of those businesses where COVID made our business better. Yeah, you know, I can imagine. We used to go in the house and knock on the door, hey, John and Mary, and go in the house and sit at the kitchen table and do a presentation. Now our presentation is just like this. We literally call somebody up, we pick up the phone, we're talking to them on a Zoom call like this, and this is it. And you fist pump to the camera, hey man, nice thing, thanks so much. You do a little docu-sign, send them a thing, a docu-sign back, and I enjoy, I enjoy helping people, enjoy helping the client, I enjoy the art of the clothes, and it's a niche market, so, you know, we're not chasing a client, that's important, you know, leads equal sales equal profit, it matters where your leads are coming from, you know, the typical insurance business, 
man, you're always chasing the lead. You're calling people. You're just trying to sell your mama insurance and you're trying to find three of your mama's friends and then your cousin, your aunt Bill, your aunt, or aunt Bill. I mean, <laughs> that actually probably happens. Your aunt Sally, your uncle Bill, you're selling somebody something and then you're trying to get referrals. We don't do that. We don't do that here. We actually have clients that fill out a card, mail it in and say, please help me. So we're calling it a pretty warm lead. That matters. I mean, I remember years ago when I worked for a company and we sold spray foam and a lead, I mean, there was TV, radio, billboards, yard signs, home shows, anything, any kind of lead. Old school. Old school. Yeah. Here was a unique lead. You go to a home show and there's an 80 inch screen up there, an 80 inch flat screen TV. And they say, sign up to win the big flat screen TV where everybody at the home show signs up for that joker and nobody wins. Everybody wins a free presentation for spray foam. So you have to convert that rumor into an appointment. So you call, hey, John, Mary, I'm John. I'm, I'm the guy that's going to be doing your spray foam. Do we win the TV? Oh, no. But I'll have a stop by tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And you take somebody up in the attic. This requires a closer. And you walk around their attic. And up there's two black widows, a dead bat, and a rat. And you go point out some things. Come back down to the kitchen table. We do a three-hour presentation from like 8 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And you roll out a price of like 35000 And you go, Right. And they're like, do we win the TV? Yeah. That requires a closer. Yeah. You better, you better, you better have some mojo up your sleeve, you know, and to close that deal. And I made a great living doing that. Um, not just, I mean, this is a good, it's a good, I, find a, find a place that you like and love and plant your flag there. Um, that's just it, man. So, yeah. And so within that now too, you've had, you know, well over 30 years of sales experience, big chunk of that being door-to-door sales. And now we talked briefly about like transitioning into Zoom. So what's been your biggest takeaways, your biggest like things you've had to adapt to or things that have stayed consistent from your in-person sales experience, your door-to-door stuff now to the digital, like virtual e-meeting, e-fist bump, all that stuff. What's that been That's a great question. So, um, Life is about adapting. It's, you know, you have to learn. It. After you've been in fourteen thousand houses, there's nothing I haven't seen. Um, so I had to. I even told my wife. I said, "Man, I got. I'm gonna have to learn some new stuff." And if you're an old dog and you're afraid to learn a new trick, retire. Uh, you can't be. You know, if you want to still have a great career in sales, you can't be afraid to learn a new trick. So I said, "Well, okay. So you know, all you do is you sit down and, and man, nothing." I enjoy it. I mean, here's a great example. Call a guy like, I don't know, like driving, driving COVID hit. This guy's out in LA, you know, because you can, now the borders are down. You can sell anywhere in the country from your living room or your home office. You know, you can, you can wear pants or not wear pants. You, you can't tell on this call that I don't have pants on, but I, I do. But I mean, you're like, hey, John, Mary, how you doing? And you're sitting there just having a call. It's, kind of, it's a challenge to warm up a little bit because all you can see is what's behind them. So you, you can't, you have to ask open-ended questions, you know, the, the old saying, never ask a question or the answer to, but you have to ask to get them to start talking about, you can't ask yes or no question. You have to have open-ended questions to get that client to start responding about things to warm up, warm up a little different. You can't see the bowling trophies or you can't see the kids or the dog or the cat or something, the goldfish or something. You can warm up that client and, and, and create an infiltration. So you have some challenges with that. And people sometimes, a lot of times, you know, you're talking to them and you see their eyes do this and then they look back at you and their eyes do this and you have to just stop talking hey grant hey you got the tv on 
Oh, you do? Hey, would you mind just, just for about 15 minutes, could you just cut that off? Not the sandwich, cut it off. You have to have the cojones to, to he who has control or she who has control in the beginning has control at the end. If you don't have control at the beginning, why, why spend 15, 20 or an hour with somebody when you don't have control? There's three levels of listening, first, second, third. If you don't have them on the third level of listening, you are wasting your time. So you got to slow down, pay attention, be a good listener. God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you do twice as much listening, half as so much talking. And so you got to ask these questions and open up. So it has been a challenge, but man, I had a client the other day. It was like this 80-year-old guy. I get him on a Zoom call like this, and I'm looking at him. He doesn't have a gray hair, and his head's here's all died. So I'm like, what's up, player? He goes, what's up, player? I said, I'm looking at your little leash here, man. He says, you want a $150,000 insurance cost. He goes, yep. Yeah. You know, you should have bought this about 20 years ago. You're 80, bro. I'm like, how's your health? He goes, oh, my health is great, man. He said, I take one medication. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, uh, what do you take? He says, well, I take Viagra. Uh, well, of course you do. Nobody really goes. I said, no heart attack, no stroke, no cancer. No, no, no. I said, if you mind me asking, what do you need a $150,000 insurance policy for? He said, well, I got me a girlfriend. I said, well, of course you do, Mr. Bagger. Okay, well, you must be younger, huh? He said, oh, yeah, she's 45. She's 80. I said, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. I said, okay. I said, well, you know, you never want to put somebody in a position where you hurt them. Still honor yeah. that. God don't honor doing something and hurting somebody. So before I put this deal together with this guy, because I know it's going to be expensive, I said, how you going to pay for this? He's well, I'm a doctor. I've been a doctor since I was 29. I still have my practice. He said, I still work about 60 hours a week. I'm like, oh, you're still working? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got this girl. I met her online. Flew her over here. And, you know, sometimes me, I want to make sure she got some money. I'm sure I'm be sure she's taken care of. So I figured the whole thing up. It's like $1,900 a month. So you do a presentation, you roll the price out, and he looks at it and he goes, all right, I'll take it. Well, of course you will. So he's, he's typing away here and push a little docu-sign and sends it over to him. We do a fist pump. He fist pumps the camera, 80-year-old guy, and I make $15,000, and I did not have my pants on. My point is, is all the years I've been in sales, and I've made commissions like that on selling big $80,000 pools and, you know, in big jobs. I've made some, some, never from my house, never from my, or when I got done, I got up and went pee in my bathroom instead of stopping off at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's on the way home and then sitting in traffic going, oh God, you know, at 11 o'clock at night because there's an accident on the main highway. Oh, this gig has gotten better, you know. And for, for people out there that are looking for something better, man, this, this, there's some, there's, COVID has made some sales gigs better. Go find one. If, if you're in a, if you're in a sales job and it got tougher, thanks to COVID, find another home. Yeah, that's, that's for point. sure. That's a great point. And you know, some really, really cool insight that you said within that last question there was something that you really couldn't like, no, unless you've done in-person sales for long enough. Like you said, like talking to the dog, or not talking to the dog, talking about their dog, looking at bowling trophies, seeing fishing pictures on the wall, stuff like that. Like people who have never really sold in person, I, I think might not even think about that stuff, right? So like having people who have just been selling through Zoom their entire career, maybe like right out of college, something like that, like that warm up and having that like 
discussion, asking those open-ended questions to try to break through. Because like you said, I can't see what's on your desk right now. I can see if you have pictures, anything like that. Like that's huge. That's huge for building that rapport. But also, John, now, how long are you spending on that time? How long are you spending on the warm-up? Like, that, that's a great question. So here's what I learned years ago. People buy people. If they like you and they trust you, they're going to buy from you. You don't know what their last experience was with a salesperson before you. It might have been awful. Might have been awful the last couple of times. And you're that jerk off until you prove that you're not. People buy, people they like, and trust. So you have to build a rapport. Now, sometimes you don't get the guy that don't want to talk to you. You're like, you don't get that engineer, or you don't get that calculus teacher, or you know that you're going to get that uh, CPA. Hey, man, let's just get to it. So it's okay. It's okay to get to it, but you have to come back to warm up. Warm up takes as long as it takes. Well, how long is that? There's, there's no time. No, I've warmed up with somebody for an hour. It's important to take your time warming up a client. I can take I have, I have, I've been in thousands of houses and I've been in thousands of houses with green salespeople, guys that couldn't close the trunk of a car. And you take them in a house and their presentation is awful. It's like this. Right. But their warm up's like 45 minutes and the client loves them. And then they present and, and, and you're like, buy that. They didn't. They bought the person they met 45 minutes ago. They go, well, the, the price worked. They said, well, you know, that's about what we thought it was going to be. And we really like you, you know. And, and they buy from them. And you're walking out of the house going, wow, that is a warm up. People buy from people they like. They like them, they trust them, and they, there's already a need there. Or you created the need in your warm up. They're going to buy from you. And, and I know because I've seen it happen many a times where a green salesperson made a sale because they had a really, really, really good warm up. So it's important to, and warm up, this thing I call, I've learned years ago from a guy named Ben Gay, who wrote the book, The Closures. And it's called Infiltration, where you sit down with somebody and you talk to them and you get, to, you're not going to start off with, you know, something like, um, you know, Mr. Griffin, Mr. Griffin, hey, do you mind if I call you John? You know, what do your friends call you? Well, my friends call me, my friends call me JG. Okay, cool. Can I call you JG? Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, my name is Bill. All my friends call me Bill. So let's do that. So what I just did in about a nanosecond, I said, well, what do your friends call you? My friends call me JG. Okay. Would you mind if I called you JG? Yeah, cool. Well, my friends call me Bill. Call me Bill. Okay, cool. And you got to say your name at least three times during the course of your warm up, and probably another two times in your presentation. And the way you do that is you tell third party story. You know, my wife sometimes will say, Hey, John, let me get it. And just, you know, or, you know, and you have to say your name. So your client eventually will say, Hey, Grant, let me ask you a question. Nothing sucks worse. Then you go through your presentation and you get to the end and you roll your price down. The client looks at the price. They look at you and they go, I'm sorry, what's your name again? You want to go pack your crap and head on out because you did not make any impression on that client. They are not buying from someone they don't know and they don't like. They, they'll, they'll say stuff like, well, you're a really good salesperson. We really enjoy your presentation. You got a business card on you. We're going to get, we're going to call you. We'll get back to you. When I do a presentation, I overcome objections before I get them. I learned how to do that years ago because objections in sales in my 30-year career have never changed. I got to think about it. I got to pray about it. We don't make any decisions. We got to talk to our mommy. got to talk to our daddy. We got to talk to our financial advisor. We never made a decision the first time out. We're going to shop around. We're going to get three instruments and then we're going to do it. They're all the same. So why don't you overcome them before you get them? Salespeople go through a presentation, they get to the end, they spend all their time trying to close. 
a master closer takes his time and overcomes those things in the course of the presentation. And when you get to the end, it looks like a lay down. You roll the price out and they go, all right, let's do it, Grant. Sign me up. And the other person going, man, what's just, they just, that was an easy one. No, that was a closer. That guy or gal knew exactly what they're doing through the course of their presentation. They asked the right questions. They used some things like power linguistics. You know, a lot of my sharp clients, Grant, just like you, let me show you what they do. We're going to do that. We take the horse by the bit and they go right there. A lot of my sharp clients, Grant, just like you, let me show you what they do. And that's what, that's what we, us, that's what we're going to do together today. So it's a power linguistics. It's just, you know, if they don't do it, they're not one of your sharp clients. A lot of my sharp clients, just like you, let me show you what they do. You take them right there. Um, and, and it's, 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 I can do it in my sleep and I teach it. And there's a lot more to it. You know, a lot of it's kinesiology, left brain, right brain. Um, like when someone fires off an objection, here, here's a good one. If someone fires off an objection, they're left brain. They go, you ask them to buy. And the client goes, well, you know, we're going to have to talk to our financial advisor. Well, you don't do this out loud because it would just look like a weirdo. But you literally go, well, that's one, that's two. Thousand three, thousand four, five seconds. You can't do it in your head. You don't see anything. It'll seem like five minutes, five seconds. Then you look at your client, you validate their objection. So you want to talk to your financial advisor. Okay, let me tell you a story. And you tell a story. Story takes the left brain back to right brain. You know, I had a client one time that was going to talk to his financial advisor and, and you tell a story and it takes him right back to right brain. Then you ask him to buy again. I was with a, I was with a, a trainee one time, went through a presentation and uh, closed it and walked out of the house. And uh, he said, "Man, he says, you know how many times that guy told you no?" I said, "Nope." And he had a piece of paper and he had marked down, and there was like, check, 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 check. It was nineteen times. He was like, "I told you no nineteen times." No doesn't mean no. No means I don't have enough information yet to tell you yes when the client says no it means i k-n-o-w i don't know enough to do this yet not no i don't k-n-o-w i don't know you haven't given me enough information for me to say yes it is our job as a closer to take that client through enough information so they go oh i understand now and now you buy yeah isn't that, isn't that funny? Because like you see so many people who are maybe just getting into sales or like they're young in their business, but they, they sell like on, on the features, right? They sell like on what makes them great. They sell on like what it can do for the person. Maybe if they're like a little more advanced and so like benefits, stuff like that, but almost all that scripting, almost all of that, like song and dance they do, they ask for the sale. And then the, in their mind, they're already like, okay, now it's objection time. Like now it's time for me to overcome objections. But if you already know your industry pretty well, or if you just know like what people object to about your offer the most, why not add a slide? Why not add a bullet point? Why not add something that takes care, addresses that uh, objection upfront within the presentation when you still have the spotlight on you and you say something, tell a story, whatever the case is, then there you go, come close. That's one objection you just took away. If you do that for three, four, five of the most common ones, I mean, then it's going to be super frictionless on that close. And in addition to that too, like you said, that left brain, right brain, like getting people out of that because, you know, people buy on emotion and then they justify it with logic, obviously. So like getting somebody 
out of that left brain state, getting them back in a right brain. Because at the end of the day, you know that what you have helps people. You know it makes the money. You know it protects their family. It's different for at each industry, right? You know that and you know it works. They just aren't certain enough. They don't trust something about you until you can lock everything like that down, get that really tight case built for yourself, your company, your product, and then there you go. You're out the door. So, Well, it's a belief system. You have to believe in your product. You have to believe in your company before you can get your client to believe in it. There is a transfer of belief, meaning if you're, if you, if watch this, if you're, if you like, well, a lot of ums, mm, um, mm, um, and you sound unsure of yourself because you are unsure of yourself, you better get sure of yourself real fast because timid salespeople have skinny kids and you will, just like we can read people, your client can read you. They can go, man, the guy seems kind of a little, you know, unsure of himself. You're not, and you know that old saying where where people say, "Oh man, this guy could sell ice and Eskimo." I mean, that that's not a that's not a closer. That's a conarist. You know, you have to have something that you believe in, and you know, man, this is actually helping my client. And when you have that heart and that passion about it, that drive. They're going to buy it if there's a need there for it. And you have to be able to sometimes, sometimes knows the answer. Sometimes you sit down with a client, they just can't do it. I mean, it, 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 shame on you if you put that 78-year-old widow into a something, a car, uh, a siding job, a, a something, a, you know, a, a, a second Kirby vacuum cleaner. If you sell her something she can't afford and it's going to mess her up. Shame on you. That's some bad mood you right there. That junk will follow you around. You will, you will, you will step and poop every time you step outside. Someone's going to mess you up. So don't do that. You, you help people. You know, Zig Ziglar used to say, if you help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. I mean, just care about people. Care goes a long way. When your client realizes that anybody how much money you make, those guys that sit in their car and they go, oh, man, if I sell it for this, I can make this. You will probably do okay somewhere, but you're never going to be amazing. It ain't about you. It's about your clients, about you, whatever you're selling, whatever your wares are. And I know because I've hired and trained thousands of salespeople. And, you know, if someone walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, I'll go, hey, you're a duck. Take your ducky self somewhere else. So, um, yeah, it's about just treating your client right, doing the right thing. You know, there's a lot of people out there trying to sell stuff that um, they shouldn't be in sales. You know, yeah. You know? And yeah. talking about talking about that conviction and that certainty in yourself and your business, right? Like when we started the company, speaking from experience, we didn't close anyone, right? First close ever. Like it was hard to convey that I was confident because truly deep down, I, I wasn't like, I didn't know if what we had was going to work. Like I, we've, it's never been tested. Sure. On paper, it works great, but we've never actually used it in practice. So had my first close, brought that person on um, long story short, a few months down the road in that initial call, he told me, he said, you know, Grant, one of the reasons I want to do this is because I live in a not great neighborhood right now. I'm a single father. I want to raise my kids somewhere better. So that was like one of our goals we worked towards. And I got a text from him on my phone one day. 
and you say, Hey, Grant, I just want to thank you. Um, sent me a picture of his new house. He goes, it's a much nicer neighborhood. Got my kids <laughs> out of that spot. And that point, just that text message was such a pivotal transformation for me within my certainty about what we do. And I mean, ever since then, like I've had this unbreakable conviction that what we do, what we do helps people, what we do makes people's lives change forever. Mm -hmm. So like seeing that in real time and seeing that, yeah. I mean, that's it. That's what it's about. It is what it's about. You know, you change somebody's life forever and you did it with your company and the wear that you sell. And, um, I mean, people just want to know you care. I remember I went to a lady's house one time and, uh, and I've been to a lot of homes, 14,000. And she said, you know, she, her feet her grass about two feet high. She said, look, buddy, she goes, we're not, you're not coming in the house. You know, we're going to sit outside here on the, on, on the stoop. She sat down on the stoop and uh, she said, just sit down, sit down. She turned it and I'm sitting down on the stoop with her and I'm talking to her. We're outside. It's hotter. And you know what outside? And I'm just talking to her. And I said, well, I got to get in the house because I knew she went all this whole big siding windows, gutters, big, I mean, it's going to be like a big, big job. You know, it could have been six figure job. And um, she was just adamant. So part of part of selling sometimes is having some empathy. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Here's the difference. If you're driving down the road and you come to stop sign and you hear somebody screaming, help, 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 help. And you get out of your car and there's a guy down in a hole. Imagine this guy in a hole. Goes, hey, man, help me. The sympathetic person says, hey, bud, hey, Grant, stay right there, man. I'm going to go, I'm gonna get my car and get some help. And they get the car and drive off. The empathetic person, which you have to be empathetic, so jumps down in the hole, puts their arm around the client, says, hey, man, Grant, I'm, I'm going to stay here with you till help comes, buddy. It's just you and me, buddy. And sometimes you have to be empathetic with your client. So I sat down with her and you lower your voice, lower your voice. I said, I listen to say her name is Mary. I said, Mary, I've been in a lot of houses. I don't know what's going on in your house, but it's really hot out here. And the best way for me to help you is to go in the house and sit down. I have a lot of stuff to show you. And I got to sit my stuff out. And it's okay. It's okay for your house. It's, 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 if you got a lot going on, it's okay. I just want to help you today. So we're going to go in the house. And I'm going to sit my stuff up on the kitchen table. And I got up. I started walking towards the door. She sat on the stoop. She got up. She walked to the door. She opened the door and walked in the house. Her house looks like a tornado blew through it. I didn't see it. The carpet was ripped up, rolled up. The, the wood floors were just laying there. The carpet was rolled up. All her furniture was piled. Literally, it was touching the ceiling. And I didn't act like I didn't see it. I went right to the kitchen table. I moved some stuff out of the way. She had stuff on her kitchen table that was like a year old, being a male. And I said, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, this is perfect. And I sat my stuff down. I started going through the presentation. I don't know, probably like an hour and a half into my presentation. I'm, listening, I'm watching her because you've got to pay attention. And a little tears welled up in her eye. She says, you know what? Did you see that bed over there? And I can, it was, there's a bunch of crap piled up on this bed. There's a bed literally in the living room. It was like a hospital bed. I said, yeah. She says, my, my husband died in that bed last year. She was, he had cancer. And, you know, he was a police officer and he, he got cancer. I'm like, oh, okay. And she said, I know you're probably wondering what's going on in my house right here because it's, it's, it's a mess. My son graduated from high school last year, he was a senior. And um, all his friends came over for a party and, you know, he, everybody wanted to see my husband's revolver. So I thought I was unloaded and we took it out and one of the kids went to grab it and it dropped and it fell on the floor and shot my son right here. And he, he, he died right there. And the coroner came and they rolled the carpet up and took my son out. <sighs> this has been a rough, she says, you're the only person that's been in my house other than my church family. 
time. I had two salespeople out here already. And um, I told them they couldn't come in the house. One guy got really mad at me and he did a burnout in my driveway and just drove off and just uh, dust and smoke everywhere. And the other guy took his business card out and he wrote a price on the back of the business card and he flicked it at me like a cigarette butt. She, she's the only person that's just really been nice. And she goes, I don't know what this is going to cost because I have no idea. But I know I'm going to do it with you. I trust you. I, I know you're going to take good care of me. I just want you to know right now, you just tell me what's going to cost. And I have a lot of money from the insurance. I, I was, I've, been, I've been wanting to remodel this house. and I've been wanting to do all this stuff. It was an $85,000 sale. And she told me she was going to buy it before I even priced it out. And she did. Now, I didn't cut my presentation short, but it started on the porch. When she said, you're not coming in my house. There's just no way. If you can't give me a price outside, you can just forget it. Because she already had two bad experiences with two idiots. And I took my time. I cared about that client. I went on in her house. And I took my time and I helped her. And I made a pretty good lick on that job. I was, it was a nice commission, probably about 10 grand. I was a kid. I was like in my 20s. Um, people just want to know you care. I don't care what you're selling. People just want to know you care. And if you don't, you know what? If you don't care, you don't care about people. If you don't love people and love helping people, then go work at McDonald's. They're looking for closures. When you drive to the drive-thru and you can say, would you like fries or that? You can be that closer. You know, that, you don't have to care about that person because you're not putting the fries in their bag anyways. Absolutely. And John, I mean, that's, it, it, full circle to what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, right? You said you don't know what people, what experience of people have had with salespeople before you. So like that story right there just absolutely embodied that too. Like if someone's a little standoffish with you because you are a salesperson, it's most likely for a reason they've had bad experiences. And I think we might've even talked about this, but addressing that maybe and or just being like as human as possible really dissolves a lot of that um distrust a lot of that awkwardness um or just like asking hey if we can step can we step out of this for a second like i just want to make sure everything's okay here I, I feel a little bit of like hostility is everything okay something like that too like just calling it out or just kind of you know jumping in the hole next to the person i love that yeah. analogy. you can read somebody they can read you and, and it's yeah. okay yeah. to do that you just kind of time it out for a second yeah, I just lean in lower my voice and say, Grant, I'm sensing you may have had a bad experience before with a salesperson. So let's just make a deal right now. Here's the deal. I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm just going to tell you how this thing works and tell you what it costs. And if it makes sense to you, well, then you're welcome to buy it. But if it doesn't, hey, man, no problem. Just let me get through this. And it, I just want to help you. You know, I, I think you need this. You told me you did. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it's going to fit into your budget. You know, if you will, just give me a few minutes to kind of show it to you. And if it doesn't, man, it's okay. It's okay. And you take that pressure off them so they don't feel, they don't feel pressured. And then you help them. Rock and roll. And John, we're going to wrap everything up here, brother. Before we do, last question I got for you. Okay. This is a big one. So looking forward, or rather looking backwards to when you were like, you know, not brand new in sales, but you were just like starting to close. You were just like, really sinking your teeth in, kind of falling in love with sales. Today, if you could go back in time and talk to that, John, 
what advice would you give him? What would you tell him? What would you want him to know? Let me tell you something. My first two years in sales, I couldn't tell you it was on the radio. I couldn't tell you it was on TV. I didn't watch TV and I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't listen to radio. I bought, I invested in myself. I just, I knew right out of the gate when I could make six figures at 19 selling swim pools. I said, man, if I get really good at this, I can make more money than, than that. than I do now, you can, there's lots of careers like this one. You can make six figures a month or more. So I spent money on investing with different types of sales pros, guys that I wanted to emulate. And I learned stuff. It's good to know a lot of closes and it's good to learn a lot of stuff and then never be too cool for school. Always be, always be a student, even at your craft. When you see a young Podwin and you think you're the Jedi master and somebody does something, man, I'll write stuff down. I'll get a pen out. I'll write things down. I, I pay attention. And then I've, I've, over the years, I've formulated close. If I could go back and I would just tell that, you know, 19 year old John Griffin, I say, hey, man, it, it, here's what it was. I surrounded myself with a bunch of closers. Here's the difference between salespeople and closers. Sales guys probably closing 30, 35%. Closers are closing, are getting 78%. I've been closing like in the mid 80s to, you know, low 90s for four years now. And for the last 20 years, over 70%, there's a, it's a craft. So I would tell that young guy, I said, man, surround yourself with a bunch of closers and learn some things. Now you're going to learn, you're going to see somebody do something that's, that, you know, everybody has an intuition or you can call it a Holy Spirit or whatever, you know, you see someone do something shady, man, that is not, don't do, don't, man, if it's going to hurt somebody, don't do it. Don't do something that's going to hurt somebody. Help people. If it's, you know, you know, man, it's, this is, don't. Just, you know, sometimes no is the answer. You know, if you're sitting down, like I said earlier, a 78 year old lady, man, don't hurt somebody. Man, just, if you help them, and sometimes help them saying, hey, man, it's not your budget. That's okay. I would go back to that 19 year old guy. I said, man, you know, surround yourself with a bunch of closures, learn what to do. Learn what not to do and, 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 and do right. And I always do right. You do right and you'll be blessed. That's for sure. That's awesome, John. And where can we get in touch with you? Where can we find more about you? How can we get in contact? Man, if somebody wants to reach me, they can um, they can text me. I'm that guy. 678-977-0564. They can email me at John Griffin, J-O-H-N-G-R-I-F-F-I-N-7-1 at Gmail. I'm always hiring. There we go. Look at that. Give him a text, send him an email. He's going to get back to you and you guys are going to make a lot of money together. So John, awesome seeing you today, brother. Always good. And I think that's going to be a wrap. Hey, Grant, always a pleasure, my friend. Rock on.